Hello, you're listening to episode 10 of 8 Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8 Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains spoilers for Knives Out, so you should go and watch it first before listening and start with episode 1 of this season. Yeah! How you doing, Pete? I am doing pretty good. Do you want me to talk about something completely unrelated and distracting from the topic of this podcast? You could, you could ask me how I am. I do that after I've done my bit. Come on. Okay, okay I guess. I guess just say your thing. I'm going to say my thing, then I'm going to ask you how you are, and then you can tell me how you are. Okay, say your thing. No, 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 you've made a point <laughs> of it now. Um, how are you? Tell me of your mental state. That's pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> All right, good. All right. <laughs> May I now digress? Please. All right. Uh, I've been playing some video games. Uh, the the main one, that, well, I, I finished uh, with Thimbleweed Park. Uh, oh, and- boy, how did you find it? Uh, I, I will say I found it okay. I had some issues. Um, I think the puzzles are a little bit underwhelming. It, it sags a bit in the middle. Uh, they they get a bit better at the end, and they, they start off okay. But uh, it feels like it's a bit padded as a game mm. to me. Uh, not much happens in the middle, but there's a sure is a lot of kind of busy work and puzzles that feel like they're just arbitrarily lengthened by uh, by additional steps so there's that uh, i didn't love how all of it was written it was it was i would say patchy as far as that mm. goes but it had a good atmosphere it had nice graphics nice music it had a kind of interesting feel to it and uh, uh and, and i overall fairly enjoyed my um my time with it i just think it could have been tightened up a bit i i feel like a game it's got like five playable main characters in it and i feel like if they'd got rid of two of those like the two of the characters feel like they could have just been merged into one character (laughs) and one of the characters i just didn't care for at all and uh uh, i feel like they could have probably just dropped completely or turned into an npc or something (laughs) um and uh, i feel like if they'd done that that would have kind of got rid of some of the frustration of having to try different things with different uh, characters and uh, and not being entirely sure at any one time where all of your different adv- inventory items that you've been passing between characters are uh, and and all of that kind of stuff uh, and i think it just would have tightened up the story as well if they just got rid of a couple of hours of the fluff in the middle uh, yeah. but i did enjoy it overall um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I had fun with it when I played it, uh, when it, whenever it came out a few years ago. Um, but the, the thing that that's never quite left, I mean, the story didn't make much of an impression on me, to be honest. I, mm. I, I remember there's kind of like an X-Files parody, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really topical for 20, 20 years after the X-Files stopped broadcasting. Um, yeah, and I, I do think that's literally the only reason why those are two characters uh, is because they wanted like a a, a, a Mulder, Mulder and a Scully and a Scully, but yeah. 
they're basically the same, really. <laughs> they're a lot of their lines are the same if you switch between them and uh, and walk around. Uh, so they don't really have distinct personalities, and their interactions with each other aren't that interesting. So I feel like they should have just been squished into one FBI character, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, so so there's that about the story. But the the only thing I really remember is uh, I played it on easy mode because. Um, you know, if a game has an easy mode, I'm going to play it on that. Fight me, IRL. <laughs> um, but what, what I thought easy mode would do was just give you more hints somehow. I, I, I didn't really look into it. Mm. But what it does is it just takes steps out of puzzles. Yeah. To, so, to, to simplify them, which is, is fine. But also... Um, a, it makes all the walkthroughs you read really confusing <laughs> because they've got steps that you don't have to do. And B, it doesn't remove all of the inventory items like required for the more complicated puzzles. Mm. So like, you just end up with a whole bunch of red herring stuff in your inventory you can never do anything with. Yeah, but that that is pretty common for adventure games. That's how um, Monkey Island 2 did difficulty as well in, in a similar mm. sort of way. Um and it's there's another game that did it that way as well. Um, see that's interesting. I didn't know that because um, uh, my fave classic adventure game is of course Full Throttle. Um, and it uh, that I don't think that has difficulty at all. You just no. <laughs> it's just how it comes. <laughs> you have to solve the puzzles, which well, is why which is why there are those two puzzles in it that are basically unsolvable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, usually they don't. I think Return to Monkey Island is going to have difficulty levels as well, and they'll probably work in a similar way. That's cool. To that. uh, but I tend to suggest, because also a lot of games, including um, Thimbleweed Park, although I don't know whether it was there at the beginning, have a built-in hint system. Mm. So I would say, because if you're cutting out puzzles, you might kind of miss fun dialogue, and it might just not hang together quite so well i would say if you have the choice in an adventure game just play the full difficulty mode and uh and if you need to use the hint system or use a walkthrough you know oh yeah um, i mean i mean of course i would have done that had i known that that was how it yeah, worked no, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting them to go oh well well the, this dickhead won't get two-thirds of this puzzle let's just chuck it away <laughs> So. What are we expecting him to do? <laughs> Maths? <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I just found it in the end to be a little bit of a mixed bag. And um, the other game that I am playing at the moment is a completely different game, <laughs> which is Returnal. Returnal. I it's... think... <laughs> Go on. It's got a weird name, Pierre. I think it has a very silly name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first I I saw the trailer live at whatever event it was being announced at for for the first time, and I thought the trailer looked really cool, and then the name came up, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, really? That's <laughs> that's what you went with?" And I still haven't ever quite recovered from that. But it is so enjoyable that I'm gonna forgive it for having a really silly name. <laughs> it's all um, you can do, really. Yeah. So it's a it's a time loop uh, game, mm. is is what it is. Uh, that none of this is particularly um, spoilery. This is all 
addressed within the first, I would say, hour or so of the game. Mm. Uh, you uh, crash land on this alien planet. Uh, you're you're in a spaceship. You crash land on this alien planet, and uh, it's all kind of ruined. And uh, but there was there were definitely an alien civilization there at some point. You start exploring it. Eventually, you get. Uh, killed and then you end up back just after the crash onto the planet Mm. Uh, and the world has shifted as well Uh, so the things aren't in the same place that they were and so it's a bit of a kind of I guess roguelite experience where there are some persistent features but some things that you have to start again from scratch whenever uh, whenever you die in the game. And it's uh, you might think because it's that sort of game that this is a kind of small indie game, but it's it's a it's a very it's a big budget kind of triple A style version of that. So mm. the reason that I haven't played it until now is because uh, it costs seventy pounds and that's Ooh. A lot of money. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> uh, and uh, so, what I did was I got a so now PlayStation Plus subscriptions because this is on PS Five. Mm. Uh, PlayStation Plus subscriptions have tiers now, so you can have like a, a the re- the standard one, the I can't I think it's called extra, and then premium. And on the extra tier. You um, uh, uh, you can get Returnal basically as part of the package, <laughs> and uh, the what something quite friendly they're doing with the, the these new price tiers is that if you just want to um, get the extra tier up until the end of your current year's worth of subscription, mm. uh, then you just need to pay the difference. So uh, I saw a thing saying, well, if you pay like eight pounds, then you will get the extra tier for the next 93 days before your yearly subscription renews. Hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm not playing paying 70 pounds for this game, but I will pay like eight pounds to play this game for the next three months. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Um, So... Uh, yeah, I uh, I downloaded it and it is a lot of fun. It's very difficult, and there aren't any difficulty modes in this uh, this game, which I don't know how I feel about. I, I always prefer it when there are, but uh, it's all been doable, you know. Mm. I've I've even when I've got to the bosses, which are pretty tough, I've always felt okay, even though I didn't get it this time i feel like eventually i will beat this boss um and I, so far i've uh, uh, i've beat two of the bosses and mm. each time i've i've tried it a few times before finally uh, but before finally beating it so it's i feel like it is a hard game but it it's balanced okay it's doable and you are constantly getting little things that make make the thing easier as as you go along um and it's got a really good atmosphere to it so there's um the 
aesthetics of it. I think you would enjoy them hmm. because there's like um, big spooky aliens with tendrils. You like tendrils, right? I I do love a tendril. Yeah. I'm fam- I'm famous for it. Yeah, and uh, they you you got little upgrades which are in the form of parasites that you have to kind of attach to your body. Oh, gross! I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got weird kind of half fleshy, half technological devices and things like that, and uh, all all the kinds of things that I imagine uh, make you go ooh. Do they? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. You, you can stop now. I'm already seduced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was quite interested in Returnal, um, but then I found out it was PS5 only, and of course, um, only the elite 0.05% of the population can have a PS5. So uh, I uh, uh, got extremely lucky getting mine. <laughs> I, I just happened to refresh a site at the uh, yeah. exact right moment, and... Uh, uh, and somehow the order went through, and even then, I didn't quite believe it was real until it was <laughs> on my doorstep. I, I I hesitated for the briefest of seconds during the Amazon checkout process because I was like, "This is a lot of money," and I was like, "I do want one." All right, and I clicked OK, and it was like, "We are sold out now." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, my my moment of brief fleeting introspection cost me a PS5." <laughs> mm. Um. But yeah, it's it, it it certainly looked interesting. I don't really know much more than the things that you've said, honestly. Uh, so I, I guess I'll play it at some point. Um, yeah, there's some other weird stuff in there as well. Like, um, I don't really want to get into it, but no. it, it definitely plays with the, the kind of ever-changing setting and what that means mm. and uh, why this person is on the planet in the first place. There's some there's some real story intrigue that I'm interested in digging into deeper when it get when it gives me the chance to. But yeah, it's uh it's a fun game and it makes really good use of the the PS5's controller as well. PS5 has a really nice controller. It's got some just it feels really good, but it's also just got some really nice features. It's got it's got a rumble that is just it's so good that it's hard to explain how good it is because it, <laughs> it shouldn't be that good because it's just I I've always barely even seen the point of Rumble. It seems like a total luxury. I wouldn't miss it if it wasn't there. You know. Uh, yeah. the The only time I ever really noticed Rumble was in things like Halo, where you're um you're firing firing a gun continuously looks like a machine gun and the control pad is vibrating and you think it's give me fucking arthritis what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah in the, in the first area of returnal it's kind of it's raining in the in the area you start out in and mm. your controller feels like it's raining that's how it, <laughs> that's how i it's, describe um, it it, it, it sounds like one of those uh, one of those early games like Halo, you know, for a console where they they're like cram all of the technical stuff you can in um, yeah. just to demonstrate the console. So if people see it or play it, they go, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah." Well, it comes with a pack-in game called Astrobot, which is really good at that. And, uh, it, but it, it's a great game actually. Mm. Um, but uh, the other thing that it does is adaptive triggers. So uh, they you. 
they can make the triggers kind of harder to pull or they can give them yeah. sort of a a kind of soft stopping point halfway through so that if you depress it to that point the controller does one thing and then if you go if you force it past that point then it does a different it, way. it does a different thing yeah so i'm just going to um I'm I'm just going to say haptic feedback here because I really like the word haptic and I don't get to say it enough. Haptic. Yeah, the, it, it's kind of full of that. Uh, and it, listeners, it, why why don't, why don't you just take a moment with us? Like me and Peter will do it. Just, let's all just say the word haptic together. Ready on three, three, two, one. Haptic. Haptic. There we go. So, it's nice, mm. isn't it? It's nice, satisfying. Mm. I really don't feel like I should have indulged you there, but <laughs> and yet generous. you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's it's good. It's a good game. It looks great. It's uh, spooky at times. It, it's uh, also creepy and kooky, um, and and other lyrics from the Adams Family theme tune. <laughs> Speaking of like. Uh... Uh, time travel games. I never did finish um, Deathloop. Mm. I think I think we spoke about it on an episode at some point. I I was definitely playing it, so we must have done. Yeah, we uh, we probably did. I did finish it actually. I I genuine I genuinely completely forgot about Deathloop right up until you mentioned Returnal like ten minutes ago. I should get back and see how see how that's all playing out. Yeah, the these. Uh, Games definitely take a rather different approach mm. to the old uh, loop, but they both do it. I would say in a in a very interesting way. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, oh, um, neat. Well, I will look forward to playing it if and when I ever get my greasy hands on a PS5, and then subsequently have seventy pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we 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 should talk at some point about how much games cost and also game subscription services and what that means. But not today. Not today. It's too heavy. So at this point, if you hadn't forced my hand earlier, <laughs> I would have said, and how are you? Well, yeah, but... But you, you're just saying that at this point you would have said that. So are you saying it now as well? Um, well, what I'm I, I'm saying, and how are you? But what I'm really saying is, what topic would you like to talk about before we do the thing that we're supposed to be doing? I, I would like to talk about a cinema film that I saw at the cinema, like the olden days. And what film is that? Uh, it's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. I saw it with you. That's true, yes. You, we were both there. <laughs> yes. We've um, both seen this film. And uh, um, honestly, it's incredible. It's so good. Um, it, I, it's, it's so good that I don't want to go into it too yeah. much for, for, for two reasons, really. One, uh, that I, I don't want to kind of spoil anything important about the film and two because i feel like at some point we might do it as a series oh god really i, I feel like we wow might. oh that, that 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 would that would be unprecedented doing doing a movie from like 
this year. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the next series. Oh, but no, I, no. I, I, I can see us doing it at some point because there's, there's so much to talk about with it. Yeah. Um, so how uh, do we approach this? <laughs> uh, I, I, I was going to say, I also feel like the less that you know going into the film, like the better. Because mm. um, I, I had some vague idea of what was happening, of what w- was going on, and I, I feel like if I'd have known even less, I would have been even more happy. But um, uh, should we do like a like a spoiler jump ahead thing? Um. Well, I tell you what. Why, why don't we say here are the things that I knew going into the film? Okay. Uh, I knew that a lot of people were. Uh, kind of hyping it up, and I knew that it had. I should have found out how to pronounce this man's name before we recorded this podcast because uh, I don't yeah, know that I have heard it out loud. Uh, it's a Kei Kwan, I believe, uh, but but I might be wrong. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, who is probably best known for roles in like the late 80s and early 90s or so yeah he was uh, um, he was uh, he was famously a uh, short round in indiana jones and and data from the goonies yes two films that i uh, I, I watched and enjoyed his characters in yeah uh, so it uh, and a couple of times in my life i thought oh whatever happened to him and it turned out uh, that he basically d- didn't have the kind of acting opportunities that he wanted, and so stopped going for acting roles. Did some kind of stunt stuff, stunt coordinator stuff mm. uh, on some films, and uh, then was inspired to get back into um, acting after seeing, I think it's uh, Crazy Rich Asians, is, mm. is the film that. Uh, inspired him to maybe seek out some acting roles uh, again and, and do, do you know what? i'm i'm going to i'm going to talk over you and say i'm mm. i'm really glad you did because he is so good in this film like the 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 range that he demonstrates within this one role is incredible it's like it's almost like a like a you know uh, like an actor's like demo reel <laughs> like these yeah. are all the things i can play and he does them so well and switches between them so seamlessly yeah, and I think that range is a kind of good way to talk about this film without giving too much away. Mm. <laughs> so to to kind of dance around before we kind of give a spoiler warning and tell you to skip ahead a little bit, uh, I the thing that really stood out to me about this film is that on paper it feels like it shouldn't work because it has to cover too much ground emotionally. Mm. Um, and it, but it really does kind of, uh, run the gamut from moments that are just completely and utterly absurd in every way. (laughs) I'm not going to give you any examples of that because it would already spoil it to do so. Um, Uh, to moments that are really kind of earnest and heartfelt and 
really emotionally fulfilling uh and often it's doing both of these things at once uh in a way that i'm not going to say i thought wasn't possible but just seems really hard to successfully achieve so that's what i would say really abstractly about this film mm. and it made me kind of realize that actually that's one of the things that i really enjoy in films is when something is capable of that kind of range yeah uh, and this does, kind of does it to to the extreme but a lot of the films that i enjoy do have that kind of thing of Oh, they can be very funny, but they can also be very earnest, and mm. uh, they uh, aren't too far in one or the other direction. Hmm. Yeah. We, I, do you want to say anything non-spoilery about it, or do shall we move into spoilers? Um, let's 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 go into spoiler territory. So, okay, so how did we do this last time? We had something we wanted to spoil. Um, all right, listeners. Uh, I, I'm going to leave a gap here, and then I'm going to come back from the future and tell you when to skip ahead to. Okay? Mm. Okay. Hello, listeners. I'm from the future, and terrible things are happening here. Um, you'll probably want to skip to minute 37. <laughs> so that was, um, that was me from the future. He's so handsome and suave. He's got an eye patch now. What's that about? Wow. Um... <laughs> um so, um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, what's the best way of, of explaining this? Um, it, it's a film that's sort of about Michelle Yao playing a woman who um, is running a failing laundromat because she's not very good at any one particular area of her life and her relationships are breaking down with her, with every other member of her family. And also with the American IRS service, yes. Um, but in in another way, it's very much not about that as well. Yes, it's uh, it, it's um, a multiverse story. Mm, yes, um, they're they're so they're so in at the moment. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that about uh, this one in, in this particular version of it. Uh, some people have discovered the ability to kind of access other multiverses uh, through a little device. And the way that they access it is by doing something improbable, whatever that happens to be in the moment, that will kind of slingshot them mm. into uh, uh, the other universe and allow them to kind of access the abilities and knowledge of that person that version of themselves from the other mm. uh it, it multiverse so that might be say they have to give themselves some paper cuts in one painful to watch scene. oh yeah oh that that whole scene oh yeah ever what like ever watch somebody yeah I, I think it goes back to that stuff we were talking about during the thing where like you know where people cut their thumbs and everyone in the audience cringes yeah. because it's such a shared universal human experience everybody yeah. has hurt their thumbs in some way they know that it really fucking hurts you like everybody's got a fear. paper cut <laughs> yeah. jesus like watching somebody give themselves four paper cuts on like a 
50 foot tv 50 foot cinema screen oh my yeah. god <laughs> I, i'm wringing my hands right now i know i've yeah. balled my hands into yeah. fists <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, or maybe it's just something like eating some chapstick or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they have these things called jumping pads, basically, yeah. and they they sort of vaguely explain it as how doing something improbable like pushes you to the local boundary of likelihood of the universe you're in, which then sort of ping pongs you out to whichever weird one you were trying to get to. <laughs> Yes, and they get to some weird ones in <laughs> in the end. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm not even uh, sure I want to spoil that fight because oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the off chance you have chanced, you you've not seen this film, but you've kind of chanced the spoiler section. I'd say if anything about any of this intrigues you, then I still don't want to spoil it any <laughs> much more than that, apart from to say they really do go some places like this. But, and, and it's not just that they go to some extremely absurd alternate universes, which they do. There's just some weird, weird, truly off-kilter stuff in here. Um but also they use it to explore relationships like family relationships and uh choices that we make for ourselves that mm-hmm. and all all kinds of things that really kind of feel emotionally resonant i guess is yeah is a way that you could uh, describe it and really come together by the end of the film to pack a punch i would say yeah it's 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 real rare that i've been in a film which has made me cry both from laughing and from emotions in the same sitting <laughs> it definitely managed that yeah, I mean, I I didn't cry during it because I'm basically a husk. But um, yeah, yeah, dead inside. I tell everybody I meet. This is Peter. He's dead inside. But I, um, you, it took me to the right places emotionally. Is sort mm. of what I would say. And uh, I was saying this uh, a little bit afterwards. But I feel like I'm not the greatest person to to actually go to the cinema and watch <laughs> a film with because after I have seen the film especially if it's something that i really particularly enjoyed it's just spends a while rattling around in my <laughs> head as as i think about it and uh i am not ready at that point to talk about it yet yeah. because i'm still processing everything that i saw and ev- and there's a lot to pro- process with this particular film so i'm trying to enjoy a discussion with the person about the film afterwards but all my brain can come up with was it is like stuff like yes i i like film film good film good Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and so i'm useless for the kind of post cinema discussion of (laughs) the things that uh, i've just witnessed but uh that's usually a good sign it usually means that i actually um uh, really genuinely enjoyed the thing that i just saw and um and, and of course uh, uh we we mentioned that um multiverse movies are really in at the moment what what also what also is in is uh 
intergenerational trauma. Um, yes. Uh, that's that's a whole big thing at the moment. And and boy, howdy, is that ever on display. Um, yes, we definitely explore some of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel as well. I would be. It would be remiss of me to not mention the visual effects because Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> um, one of the characters in it, uh, and this is quite a big spoiler, has has ac- ends up with access to all of the u- potential universes that they're in simultaneously. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It's the name of the film, and um, she goes exceptionally mad <laughs> because of that. Um, but she she ends up being able to pull you know stuff and experiences and things from all these other universes so quickly that she's she's literally changing costume like a hundred times in a scene uh fight scenes where she's just pulling people in and out of different alternate universes uh, it's incredible to watch i re- i actually have kind of talked myself into going to see it in the cinema a third time now um, <laughs> <laughs> yes you had seen it once more before um, mm-hmm. uh before you came and saw it with me right yeah that's that's true yes so yeah i mean it's it's just it's just excellent and i would say instantly launches into uh, one of my kind of all t- if I if I have an all time greats list I don't know whether I do have a solid one but if I do that's in there I feel mm. like Knives Out was another one of those for me yeah um, but yeah this is definitely up there as well definitely one of my favorites of all time it's it's such a good movie so so that that's that's a glowing review from both of us listeners what are, what are you waiting for go check it out i think it's actually on like the streaming services now i think we saw it right at the end of its theatrical run mm. uh i believe well i mean like by the time they get this episode <laughs> you should be able to watch it on on the streams like like kids do these days yeah, people are definitely reacting to it on YouTube now, so that oh. must mean it's available in oh, places. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, so uh, I, I guess I, I guess speaking of multiverses, I better record a message for my past self. Hang on. Mm. Okay, uh, I, I think that covers everything. I, I recorded a confusing message to myself in the past, which we will splice in smoothly using the power of editing. Um, Kieran, if you're listening to this and you didn't edit it, you're an idiot. Hello. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh boy, uh, what do we do at this point? We usually explain the bells, right? So, um, yes. So we we have some bells, which I've definitely find fine. I've definitely find mine one of. Ding. Good. I have, and I have a bell as well. I haven't, I haven't found it yet, but no, I will. No. You you may one day find your bell. <laughs> sounds like one of those um, inspirational cat posters. <laughs> um, yeah, and and we ring the bell. Should either of us say the word "thing" or "out"? Um, I um, I said "thing" several times during the last part, but I wasn't done. Well, as, as has been proven, I don't have a bell handy. Mm. Um, hang on, I've got a fork. Could I hit a fork on something? Hang on. Um, I'm going to try hitting a fork on the microphone stand. Let, hang on, let's see how that sounds. Did you get that? 
Okay, it wasn't particularly bell-like. Um, did, it, did it sound like someone hitting a fork on a microphone support? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe if you <laughs> jam it into your eye, that'll make a sound. All right, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, that works. All right, I'll go with that. You only I be can't... able to do two of them. Yeah, right? I, I say I've, I've only got one left in me, though. Yeah. Also, perhaps I need a trip to A and E now. Um... <laughs> oh, it's all right, listeners. I uh, just put my eye back in. Um, so, uh, yeah, Peter, let, let's not talk about the thing. Let's not talk about the thing. Let's let's get this podcast back on on track. Okay, this time I would like you to talk about um i actually don't even remember who we have and haven't talked about yet wow um, rude i would like you to talk about someone i know you've already talked about daniel craig talk talk about him again all right we're going to be talking about don johnson playing richard drysdale all right all right. Uh, Donnie Wayne Johnson, born December the 15th, 1949, is an American actor, producer, director, singer, and songwriter. He played the role of James Sonny Crockett in the 1980s television series Miami Vice, winning a Golden Globe for his work in the role. He also had the eponymous lead role in the 1990s cop series Nash Bridges. He is not related to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Didn't even occur to me. Johnson is a very common uh, surname. Yeah, but there, but the um, the, the the film's composer is <laughs> related to uh, to Ryan Johnson. Hmm. Um, in 1984, after years of struggling to establish himself as a TV actor, Johnson landed a starring role in the television series Miami Vice. The show ran from 1984 to 1990. Miami Vice made Johnson a major international star. According to Rolling Stone, no one had more swagger in the Reagan era than Don Johnson. Johnson released two albums of pop music in the 1980s, Heartbeat in 1986 and Let It Roll in 1989. Uh, how high do you think Heartbeat got in the charts, Peter? Um, number five. Shit, how did you get that? Number five on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. It was, was that, just a, it was a wild guess. Was that a guess or did you Google it? No, I promise I didn't Google it. It was just a wild guess. Because long-time listeners will know that you're just always Googling shit if I leave you alone. I Googled something once. Yeah, yeah, once once was enough to lose my respect forever. Forever. <laughs> well, anyway, that was just a wild guess. I thought, <laughs> I, 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 what's a number that's respectable but not very high? <laughs> not, 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 not extremely big hit because if it was I, higher than that, you'd probably have heard it. It, it. Well, if it's higher than that, I'd probably have heard it, and he probably would have gone more into music than acting. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1996. That's something you can be proud of. Cool. Okay. Um. N- now. Now we move into the bits where uh, we review your questions from the previous episode. I was going to say we watch the show because that's what I usually say, but you got really confused when I said it last time. So, mm. so, so I'm, help, I'm throwing you a bone here <laughs> this one time. Okay. If you were seeing this movie for the first time, who do you think the murderer is and how did they done it? So you're still sticking with your current theory that Marta has done it. 
but you suspect that there's more to the story, which is quite a good thing to suspect, really, as the film has about 40 minutes left in its runtime. Yes. Um, and you said, what happens next? He said, Marta can't start her car. You can't remember precisely why. A ransom drives up and offers her a lift. She gets in. They drive off. He takes her to a restaurant, and she explains some things to him. And he uses his knowledge of the fact that she can't lie to get an explanation out of her. So um, I think you did very well there. I think that's, 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 that's a good synopsis of this bit. The only thing I'd, I'd say that you kind of missed is um, the family scheming <laughs> without Marta. Yes. They're, they're trying to figure out how to get their inheritance back, as we will soon see. Yeah. So with that, it's time for us to go and watch minutes one hour and 12 to one hour and 20 of Knives Out. Marta finally manages to shut her car door, surrounded by the chattering family. The engine won't start. Ransom pulls up alongside her and honks, and Marta gets out and runs into his car. Do you think he broke the car? Deliberately. That's a um, really interesting uh, point, because I was going to say, why do you think her car breaks down? But it looks like an electrical thing. Mm. And um, she doesn't drive like the newest or best car. I'd say it's more mm. than possible that he did it. Yeah, possibly. And where does his car come from anyway? I'm, I was never mm. quite clear on that. Yeah, I mean, he must have just driven up the drive. It's it's very suspicious timing. I'd say it's almost certain that he uh, he done it. Yeah, definitely interfered with the car. Mm. Remember, because he was here for the will reading, he's just uh, scooted off when everything w- stopped being funny. Yeah, he leaves quite quickly, actually, doesn't he? Mm. As they drive away, Ransom shouts, I think this could be the best thing to happen to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> And then you get a um, response from Richard, which is like, what does he mean by that? And yeah. it's, a very, it's a very good response. He's com- like completely obvious, like uh, ob- obvious, uh, completely ob- oblivious is what I meant yeah. to say. Uh, like there's no part of him that can possibly understand what he might mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> and not even, not even fall back to the fact that, um, you know, they said it to ransom not, not half an hour ago. <laughs> Like not, <laughs> yeah. Like not, not even that, and not even thinking about the words that their father said to them from beyond <laughs> the grave in the note. Like, just no concept of how this could possibly be construed as a good thing at all. <laughs> now, um, now, Peter, I know, I know, you're an automobile aficionado, so you'll be able to tell me what Ransom's car is, of course. Um, a, a a vintage one. Yes. All right. That, all right that's all I got. All right. Let's let let's play it. Let's play a game where, where you guess the year and manufacturer of Ransom's car. This is going to be fun for the listeners. Uh oh, it looks about um nineteen sixty eight to me. Okay, it's nineteen seventy two. Okay, that's not bad actually. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. For for a total guess, who who made it? Who made it? Which company made it? Um, so uh, it's, uh, remember, he's a dick. 
that doesn't narrow down cars very much. <laughs> um, it's 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 a BMW. <laughs> okay, it's a BMW, right? Okay, we aren't we aren't officially saying all BMW drivers are dicks, but you know, it's the stereotype, isn't it? It's a 1972 BMW 3.0 CSI. Don't know anything right. more. Don't know anything more about that car. Maybe I should have looked it up rather than just what model it was. Oh well, that's fine. Let's move on. The Thrombies impotently watch as Marta and Ransom drive away. <laughs> um, Joni flips them off, which I think is quite fun. <laughs> Very in character for her. Um, Blanc watches them drive away with just kind of a blank expression, sort of like his namesake. Um, I have a note that says the police weren't very useful during this entire scene. <laughs> no, <laughs> they just kind of stood there. Was there anything illegal happening though? Well, I mean, I mean, they they were on the verge of assaulting Marta. I mean, like, I, I, if if I was a policeman, I might have been like, give her a little room <laughs> rather rather than blank. Who's like, maybe run. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> it might have been nice to say, okay, l- let her leave. <laughs> they um on the on the on the um director's commentary, they actually call out the fact that the police aren't particularly useful in the scene, and uh, and Noah Segan um jokingly pitches a TV spin-off series um for uh Detective Elliot and Trooper Wagner called um called OK Cops. <laughs> where the, the tagline is they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're o- they're okay. Like, you know, they'll solve 70% of crime. <laughs> <laughs> now um Peter, we we we're, we're going to do something that's going to be very exciting for you and very frightening for the listener. Uh okay. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. I, could you could you sound less whelmed about it? <laughs> I am. I, I'm literally on the edge of my seat, mainly because I'm I'm quite slouched. Because because mainly because of your hemorrhoids. <laughs> um, we are, we are going to explore a deleted scene. Ooh, a deleted scene. I've never done this before. Um, wow! Well, I can't we... wait to see something that wasn't considered good enough to be in the full film. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I I invite you as a guest onto my podcast, and all you do is attack my format <laughs> continuously. I'm, I'm going to have you replaced for season four. <laughs> this is it, official. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say we sort of did for Alien, uh, but that was really only exploring the um, the weird fucking crab walk scene, <laughs> just because yes. of how, how incredibly bizarre it is. <laughs> I still have that weird image burned into my memory. <laughs> yeah, if you ever thought the alien was scary, just look up the crab walks in and just be like, oh, it's oh, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> it looks like a mime artist that you would ag- you'd go out of your way to avoid on like a big American boulevard. Yeah, it's just a just a guy being weird. Just a weird weird little guy. Yeah. Um okay, so we've got a deleted scene going on between Joni and Blank. Uh, Joni is crying in Harlan's office and Blank comes in for a chat he explains he tried her company Flam's flagship product, the snail jelly moisturiser 
And if anything, they should have left this scene in just for um, Daniel Craig saying snail jelly moisturizer in a, in a southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says he got one hell of a rash and uh, found pages of complaints about the rashes online. And that with a little more digging, it turns out Flam has been broke for years uh, and has only been kept going because she's double dipping with Harlan's money. <laughs> uh, Joni mentions earlier that she's not on Twitter anymore. We heard that while she's shouting at Marta. Yes. Um, and it turns out it's because she's hiding from complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Joni asks him what his damn point is, and Blanc says he hopes that she hasn't done anything rash. <laughs> Oh, you. He looks so smug when he says it. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, as enjoyable as moments of the scene is, I particularly liked the bit where um, he says that you probably noticed he has uh, sensitive skin. What you'd say to, a, to a, a, an influencer is, yeah, uh, I uh, can see why they cut it. It doesn't really do anything for the film, and it kind of slows things down in this moment. I, I think as well. Yeah, exactly. That they the reason they gave is that they dropped it for pacing because it's in yeah. the latter half of the movie, and you want the pace to be increasing towards the conclusion. It was. It's. It's basically here to to throw more suspicion on Joni, but. You don't you don't need it because you already know that she's stolen like three hundred thousand dollars from Harlan. I mean that's right. <laughs> yeah, but enough. It, it's it's not really necessary. Um, and I don't. I also just don't think that at this point in the story, it's quite ready to go back into whodunit mode yet. Yeah. So uh, so let's 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 drop back into actual theatrical knives out here. Mm-hmm. And say, uh, Ransom and Marta drive to a bar where he feeds her. Uh, the restaurant they go to was called The Flat Penny and was located in Berlin, Massachusetts. Um, shortly afterwards, it was renamed uh, On the Tracks uh, and has since been closed down because the owner committed COVID payment fraud. Wow. Um, yeah, they, they were double dipping, like taking money from uh, from the government to pay employees who no longer worked there. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> so you can go and look at it maybe it's open as a new restaurant now who knows <laughs> I was going to say it looked like a, quite a nice quaint little place wouldn't mind going there <laughs> yeah I know, I know. I, was like, I was like oh it's a, it's a lovely little restaurant then, you, then it's like oh they did serious fraud <laughs> mm. they talk about why Harlan changed his will he said he wanted them all to build something from the ground up. Mm. Um, Ran- Ransom says his mother got a million dollar loan from Harlan. His father has a prenup and gets nothing. <laughs> Ransom said that once Harlan told him he'd been cut out of the will, he could have killed him. But as he left, he experienced clarity that he'd finally have to fend for himself and that that felt good. I, um, I don't know if that's going to, if that's going to come back up later at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and like his demeanor here, it's it's interesting. I think because he's he's sort of trying to act like he's on her side a bit. Yeah, and... he's, he's being friendly towards her, and this is the first time in the movie we've seen him be friendly at all. Yeah, 
but at the same time, he can't really hide the asshole. Um, <laughs> and I think he understands that, which mm. is why he does what he does next. Yeah. <laughs> um, as Marta eats, Ransom lists three facts for her. Uh, he knows Harlan didn't commit suicide. And he says that he and Marta are probably the only two who actually knew Harlan. He knows that lying makes her puke. And he knows that she just ate a full plate of baked beans and sausage. <laughs> On the commentary track, uh, they mention here that you should pity Anna de Armas for basically having to sit down and belt down plate after plate of baked beans. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, she's she's a little lass and she's ate like seven plates of baked beans <laughs> so we can record this. <laughs> I am... Um, I actually didn't know that Americans really did baked beans because I thought they were, you know, well, they're a British staple, aren't they? Um, but apparently these baked beans are a Boston speciality. Uh, they're descended from an indigenous people's dish, which is baked in earthenware pots rather than ours, which are apparently descended from the French cassoulet. So uh, there you go, listeners. You've learned some bean facts. Uh, Americans, have you ever eaten a bean? Um, if you have... Why not write in? Let us know. Let us know what beans you've had and if they were good. Um. Great. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to drive hashtag engagement, Peter. What are you doing? Hmm. I'm looking forward to being able to read some bean messages in like four <laughs> or five episodes time. Bean mail. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ransom says, so look me in the eye. And tell me what happened to my grandfather. Oh, she's busted now. But I think it's because she's feeling vulnerable, and uh, in uh, in spite of her better judgment, she just wants someone to confide in at yeah. this point. But also, part of me thinks. Ah, this is ransom, though. Why wouldn't she just say no? That's not lying. <laughs> yeah. Saying no, I'm not going to say anything isn't lying. Yeah, he he sort of maneuvered her into a position where she has to explain, right? Mm. Because she's got the sort of emotional burden, like you said, but also yeah. he's stuffed her with baked beans. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> Chris Evans' cable-knit sweater here caused some serious excitement on Twitter. <laughs> did it? It really did. They, people loved it. And, um, and in fact, caused at least one retailer to see a 150% increase in sales. <laughs> Looks good on him. Yeah. Yeah. They were saying in the director's commentary, like, like uh, uh, you know... It's nice if you buy a cable knit sweater, but to look like Chris Evans in a cable knit sweater, you probably need his physique underneath. <laughs> <laughs> and um, costume designer Jenny Egan says she was looking for something that lent a, a sense of comfort that contrasted with the suspenseful story. And um, it does. He looks pretty snug. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you notice there's a thing that they did where all of ransom's clothes are disheveled in some way they're scuffed or torn and um she chose to do it to show that he'd grown up privileged and used his money to buy fancy clothes and fancy cars 
but he didn't necessarily appreciate those things or look after them. I hadn't really noticed that. Uh, yeah, it's like, like they, they pre-scuffed his shoes and all this other stuff. Mm. This goes to show that the things that they do to like set up a character that you don't even pick up on, like, you know, maybe subconsciously, but um not things that you wouldn't notice unless you're a famous detective Benoit Blanc. Mm. I feel like if I suddenly had a lot of money, my clothes buying habits wouldn't change at all. Um, maybe, I'd maybe buy clothes more regularly, but I'd buy the same stuff. I think uh, that's an interesting point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I've never been great with clothes. I tend to just buy things to cover my grotesque frame um, sufficiently that I can go outside without ca- causing a hue and cry. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not the best person to ask about fashion, I guess. I told you before, like, uh, I would be perfectly uh, content to just wear an endless conveyor belt of t-shirts with cartoon (laughs) animals on them until the end of time. That would be fine. Yeah, probably same. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... Listeners, don't don't write in about what travesties we are. (laughs) Marta covers her face with her hands. How ironic. (laughs) Later, at the Thromby house, the family are trying to figure out how to get the will thrown out. <laughs> There's some really good body language during mm. this scene. Um, mm. I'm thinking about uh, when they're saying, oh, if, if somehow she'd gotten her hooks into him. Uh, J- and Jamie Lee Curtis's hooked fingers. Yeah, claw hands. Do you know, it's... It's really weird that we spoke about um, everything, everywhere, all at once, and never once referred to the fact it also has Jamie Lee Curtis in it. That's true, yes. Uh, <laughs> we are so oblivious. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis uh, also doing, uh, and I'm going to say this in a way that isn't a spoiler at all, but should um, ring a few bells with people who've seen the film, Great finger work in that as well from <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, I, I, I think. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Um, yeah, they, they, they've they've really sold the fact that they've been sitting here for fucking hours trying to figure this shit out. The lawyer is jacketless and he's got a loosened tie. Uh, his his assistant is asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, which is a really nice touch. They've just been there so long, she's completely given up. And it's it's a great sort of... Everyone on the internet, as soon as they know a tiny bit of legal knowledge, is oh, suddenly yeah. a legal expert. And <laughs> yeah. this is very much on display here. And like even this lawyer, who we've previously established, is not particularly motivated Mm. um is at least enough of a lawyer to go no look (laughs) please stop you you this this is why you pay me (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'd say here the conclusion they reach is that um harlan was of sound mind when he made his will regardless of whether they liked what he did or not (laughs) right yeah it's, it's not enough that uh that they they can't complain if she uh, 
endeared herself to him uh, to the point that he decided to change his will. That's not enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually that's actually a great line, isn't it? Where yeah. he says, you, you, um, uh, "She endeared herself to him through uh, hard work and good humor." <laughs> yeah, that, right. Oh no, that that's not going to stand up in court. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not getting your hooks into someone. <laughs> that's just someone liking you. <laughs> um. They discover the Slayer rule via Google <laughs> yes. that, that you cannot inherit if you're held responsible for the other person's death, even in civil court. Uh, Stephen says the Slayer rule doesn't apply here, and everyone turns to Blank, who's sitting silently by the fireplace in an adjacent room. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great zoom into him here. Like, like he's just <laughs> sitting silently by the fire. Just, right. <laughs> and then the camera goes straight through a doorway onto him. <laughs> yeah, nice shot. Uh, all the interior night shots here were filmed during the day, and mm. they had to put special gels on the windows to dim the light coming in to make it look like it was nighttime. Mm. Uh, don't know why they didn't just film at night. Uh, probably some reason. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they asked Blank if he suspects foul play. And he says that he does, and that he has eliminated no suspects. <laughs> well, Joni says, uh, calls him Detective Blank, um, <laughs> which he he corrects to uh, uh, Mister Blank, if you please. <laughs> yeah. And he's being quite formal in his way, but he's mm. all, he's and he's correcting her. But uh, I feel like he's also distancing himself. He does not like these people, and <laughs> <laughs> he is making that clear. <laughs> He's he's not on their side. He's no. um he's investigating Harlan's death. No, he's like we we are going to maintain a professional di- distance <laughs> in this because I don't want anything to do with you. I'm I'm out of here as soon as this case is over. Um uh, Richard calls Alan the lawyer useless, and he gratefully leaves. Right. <laughs> the, the family decide that Marta has to renounce the inheritance. Yeah, it is good when he calls him useless. He's like, yeah, okay. And then he just stands up and starts <laughs> packing his things. Yeah, can't like, wait to get out of there. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Meg calls Joni aside to say that this is wrong. Uh, that it was Harlan's money to do with as he pleases. And Joni says that she can't afford to pay for Meg's schooling anymore. Meg looks distraught. Oh dear. Mm, I, I mean, I actually find her expression a little bit difficult to read here, but I think we got a nice moment coming up pretty much immediately at the start of the next segment that I think will mm. clarify things yeah. a, a bit there. Back at the bar, Ransom looks thoughtful as Marta has finished spilling the beans. Mm. I was really, I was really proud of myself for that one. <laughs> yes, yes, very good, very good. Uh, and there are several bottles between them now. At this point, I notice. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got here. It's a good visual shortcut for time has passed with their lots of bot- empty bottles on the table. But they're in a bar. Someone would have cleaned them away. It's <laughs> it annoys right. me. <laughs> They they should have been cleared away. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's just but, bad table service. Uh, yeah, I guess her tongue has been somewhat loosened by that as well because she's had <laughs> at least like three or four or something like. 
Well, there's there's four beers, so I guess that's, that's two each. Come on, you know. No, no, there were. Uh, I think there were three on her side of the table and four on his. Really? Mm. Yeah, I think there was I... like seven bottles there. Wow, I, I, I wrote down four beers. Um, mm. Do you know what? Our listeners will not stand for us if I don't go and check yeah. how many beers there were precisely. Hold, <laughs> hold on, listeners. We're doing it in real time. <laughs> it's just possible that they are the same beers from two different angles, and I misread the scene, so you might be right. Uh, okay, I would say it's four beers on the table, mm. but Ransom also has a cocktail. Oh, well, it's, like a, it's, it's like a whiskey or something. Go to the other side. See, are those the same beers? I'm not sure. Yeah, look, they're, they're, the, they're the same beers from a different angle. Yeah, okay. I thought they were closer to her, you see. No, actually, they're not. Because they are different beers. Maybe? Because cause go to the go 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 back, right? Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna right. go back I'll go right the way back to the start of this scene to see if there's a long shot. So there's Ran- there's Ransom's I, I guess it's a cocktail, it's got a cherry in it. There are the four beers next to him. I know. Just saying it there are, insane, like, it's like where true. would they be? I mean I there's no room on the table. To me from the start. Okay. This might just be a continuity it, error, but but go to the go to the scene the shot with Ransom. Hang on. Yep, there you go. Right. Okay. Note which beer is closest to ransom. Well, the one with the green, the one with the green neck. This is this is great podcast right. material. <laughs> the, the third, the third one along, right? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. The, is the closest one to him. Yeah. Now, now switch the shot with Marta. Say- okay. That beer, um, which if you flip the scene would now be the second one along, right? Hmm. That beer is closer to Marta now and has a different neck as well, I think. Well, no, it's it, that, that, one, that one with the red neck. Look, that's just the one that's closest to her. See? So this is the one second okay, from the left. The, where's the one all the way on the left? Where's the fourth one? It's, 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 just, it's just off camera. It's, it's, how how it's, is it just off camera? It's too far to the right. This, no, it this, wouldn't be on the right. It would be on the left. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's that act. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. All right, all right. We're, no, no. We're, we're calling this here. We're calling this here. I am gonna draw this in paint, and we're gonna figure it out. All right, but I, I, I can visualize it perfectly, so I know I'm right. <laughs> but you're not right. No, I am. <laughs> If that's it, you, your suggestion is that that beer that is closest to Marta. Yeah, when you flip it to the ransom side, mm. you are suggesting that that's the the second one on the left now. All right, hold hold on okay. one second. Hold on one second. I'm going to pause the recording and I'm going to draw a diagram. B- BRB. Okay, listeners, we're back. Uh, diagrams were drawn. Um... Diagrams were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we haven't been able to come to a consensus. On yes. on the position of the bottles on the table. Uh, basically, he's drawn a diagram in which he seems to be asserting that bottles number three and two have magically swapped places, <laughs> uh, and uh, 
no matter how many ways I try and explain that, that can't be the case. It's perspective! <laughs> the no. camera's further away! <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make a difference here. I'm going to go and read you the Wikipedia article about parallax. <laughs> no. it, that, that amount of swapping can't be explained by parallax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I'm, just uh, nonsense <laughs> I'm going to have to get the Knives Out continuity editor on the phone <laughs> You've drawn a nonsense diagram here that, <laughs> that, that clarifies nothing <laughs> <laughs> Alright, alright We'll we'll put a pin in this. Right. I'm going <laughs> to draw I, a diagram I, which is an I, aerial view. <laughs> because yeah, because I'm I'm going to go and do the same. I'm going to go do the same in Paint 3D. <laughs> All, right. All right, you you create this magic these magic two shots where the three <laughs> and the two bottles uh, reverse order in what scientists are calling uh, quantum tunneling or something. I don't know. I mean. It's it, it's never seemed weird to me, and it doesn't seem weird to me now. So um, I don't know. It seems completely bizarre to me. Like, <laughs> you've changed the order of the middle two bottles. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's because they're not in a line. They're in a diamond, but only slightly. They're more or less in a line. If you look at the shot, there's there's not. If you look at where two and three are in relation to each other in your first picture, they can't. Uh, perspective isn't enough to make them switch that much from the other angle. I'm I'm still I'm still happy with what I've said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for the for the love of God, we have to move on. <laughs> it's clear we're not going to be re uh, resolving this, but if you are watching along at home, maybe you'd like to tell tell us whether you think. There are seven bottles here, or whether there's a continuity error, or <laughs> whether the bottles are, in fact, all in the right place, and it's just a matter of perspective, <laughs> even though that's literally impossible. <laughs> my, my, someone's confident <laughs> that they're being replaced in season four. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I love that. I love that we are overall like God fifty episodes or something into doing this podcast, and this is the thing we've had the biggest flaming row about. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> we have reached an impasse. We cannot proceed. You know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm just deleting the whole podcast. We're done. We're done. It's over. It's over. It's done. Cut it off. Stop it. Uh, Cut it off. Part of me feels bad that this is the most we've ever talked about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I am literally ordering some graph paper right now. Same day delivery. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, where were we an hour and 20 minutes ago when we were talking about the film rather than some bottles? Anyway, Marta might be drunk. She's either She's either like drunk or wasted depending on how many bottles are on the table four it's four there are four i um, think there are four but there's a continuity error <laughs> um marta seems surprised ransom isn't saying anything and he says i always thought that i was the only person who could beat him at go kind of a weird thing for him to be thinking about right yeah and i don't 
quite understand what's happening here, I have to admit. Are you still thinking about bottles? No, no, I'm talking about the go thing. <laughs> I don't know where this line of thinking with his dialogue is is, is taking him at this point, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Uh, she seems confused, and he says during their last argument, Harlan mentioned that, that Marta beat him more often than he did at go. So uh, he's obviously thinking about Marta. Yeah, and he said maybe it did mean something, but I'm not sure what he thinks that means. I, I don't get this, I guess. You have anything? Uh, I'm still too riled up about bottles. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, he, he's sort of seeing it as like a power game kind of thing, isn't it? Like, you know, it's like the two masterminds playing chess, uh, him and Harlan, but also Marta. And um, as as we've learned from what Marta said at the you know in the flashback when she was playing with Harlan, um, she doesn't play the game to win. She plays to make nice patterns on the board, and by mm. doing that, she ends up winning. Yes, it's sort of like a metaphor for her winning this whole scenario by playing the game her way and not uh, the thrombies. Yeah, I don't know whether he's just trying to flatter her in some way mm. to build up to his next point that he's going to make. Ransom says he's not going to tell the police or his family anything and that she can keep the inheritance because it's what Harlan wanted for her. Marta wants to know why he won't just turn her in and he says because fuck his family and that she'll give him his cut of the inheritance. <laughs> yeah, which is plausible enough, I suppose. Yeah, uh, Ryan Johnson says that this whole thing is kind of a difficult sell because you um, you need to feel like Marta isn't being stupid by going along with Ransom's plan. Yeah. And like from her point of view, I guess it, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, like she doesn't go to jail for murder. Uh, she gets, what is it, $55 million and a house right. and all that. And Ransom gets five. He's, he's done. He's sorted. Yeah. Um, so it's plausible enough. And I think that it, she... Uh, this is kind of goes back to what I said earlier. He knows that she's not going to come around to this idea that he's, oh, he's actually a good guy or anything mm. like that. So he's not going to get her that way. Yeah. But she can probably believe that he'll try and get some money out of her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, um, I think, I think there's a little warning here as well because, um, what have we all learned from murder mystery films and TV shows is that when somebody's blackmailing you, um, they'll just keep blackmailing you unless you can, you know, silence them. Right. <laughs> but I can't really see Marta doing a murder on, on Ransom, can you? No, but I mean, it, when she's got a bit of a clearer head about it, she's got to presumably start thinking, oh, this this isn't going to be the end of it, and there's oh, never, no. maybe never going to be an end of it. He will be back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ransom asks if they have a deal, and before she answers, she starts getting a call from Meg. So, um, in, in what I thought was quite a sweet touch, uh, Catherine Langford, who plays Meg, uh, was also just at the restaurant, out of sight, uh, calling her on the phone and talking to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
didn't didn't need to do that. It just um, helped her stay in character. I like it. <laughs> and um, and that brings us to the end of this weirdly contentious episode. <laughs> yes. What what's future historians will be calling the bottle dichotomy? Yes. Bottles have been thrown down. <laughs> the, the die has been cast, and it's yeah. got four bottles on it. Or perhaps seven. Who no, knows? no, it doesn't have seven. There, there isn't room on the table for seven bottles. There definitely if... is, but I don't. I, I agree. There's not seven bottles there. I think it's a continuity error. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you were seeing this for the first time. How many bottles? No, so who do you think is the murderer? And um, how did they done it? Are you are you still sticking with, with Marta, is what I'm asking. I think the bottles did it. <laughs> At this point, yes, I think that's the only thing we can agree on. The bottles done it. Mm. I think I still have to go along with my answer from last time, that mm. uh, we haven't been given a good enough reason to think that Marta wasn't directly involved, but you'd still think that there's more to the story, but it just there's not enough being provided yet to to make exactly what that is come come to light, I guess. And how are you feeling about ransom? Um I suppose the one thing that stuck out in my mind during this conversation and I have to be honest that it didn't really stick out in my mind the first time that I saw this, is that he gives the reason that he doesn't believe that this is a uh, a suicide is, is because he, he really knows his father. Mm, grandfather. But, yes. Um, is what I meant to say. Mm. Uh, but... Um, I just don't buy it, you know. Mm. I I think it 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 feels a bit weird to to say that as someone who's seen this character for a few minutes in a film, I know this character better than his fictional relative, but <laughs> <laughs> but from the way that that character has been presented, I absolutely and we've kind of touched on this before i absolutely believe he is someone who would be capable of doing a uh a dramatic suicide as yeah. a way of exiting the stage yes yes, yes. in, in, in a, a way that he was happy with uh, as opposed to um uh, as opposed to just getting older, I just I just believe that that's something that that character is capable of doing. And of course, even even the police were quite satisfied with it. Um, yeah. uh, remember that um, uh, Blank is like, um, do you often get like a slit throat as a suicide? And they were like, look around, the guy lives in a clue board. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just it. There is just something fundamentally plausible. Uh, about it, and I this kind of touches on what I said before as well. There's a there's a little bit of me who that wonders whether he somewhere in his head had thought about this potential eventuality <laughs> in some way. Not maybe not the specifics of how it eventually went down, but had thought 
hmm. It it seems how would very... I how would I go if it was on my terms? You know. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems very much like him to to be like right. Uh, I'm not dying of like a car accident or a heart attack or something. I'm taking the taking the wheel and going out on a high. Right. Yeah. yeah. And really confusing people in the process. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely yeah. baffling the police. That's so right. on brand. Yeah. Um. So I, I I would say on on a rewatch. That's the least plausible part of his story here. I don't think that he understands Harlan Thromby as much as he claims to. Hmm. And um, of course, that just leaves us with uh, with what happens next, Peter. Uh, so there's going to be a phone call, um, and Meg is going to speak. Uh, to Marta, and Marta is going to say, "Oh, don't worry, I'll um, I'll look after you. I'll make sure that y- you'll be all right." So the, t- the the tables have kind of turned from earlier there, and uh, but as soon as it's clear that she's not really considering giving up the inheritance, um, Meg is just going to hang up straight away without saying anything and then after that I'm a little bit fuzzy on what the order of events are after that I think at this point Marta probably goes home and is going to discover a note that seems to have been left to her um, for her when she gets home that's, I think that's what happens next. Okay, but you think I'm that? not entirely sure. All right, that's prob- that probably covers us up to eight minutes. You know the premise of the podcast. So um, I guess what is, what has this eight minutes added to your understanding? How are you how are you finding the film? Uh, yeah, it's still really enjoying it. I think that um, at this point in the film, the question that the audience has to be thinking is: okay, this is all very intriguing. But how are we going to fill nearly half of the film with this now? Because how <laughs> how far can they possibly spin this? And I don't know when it flips, and I can't remember when for me it flipped when I first saw the film. But at some point, we're going to kind of move from just the vague suspicion that there's more going on in this story that we're not aware of to actually fully understanding that. Yeah, and and. Uh, and going back into whodunit mode. Excellent. I yeah. I I I really. I was confused when I first saw this movie because I was like, "It's a whodunit," and mm-hmm. then then they show you the things that we've seen that that Marta done it, and then I was like, "Oh, it's kind of weird that it switched halfway through from a whodunit into a how catchem." <laughs> yeah. And then, but then I, I was sort of reaching this kind of point, and I was like, "Hang on, it must still be a whodunit because uh, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna play out the way that Ransom wants, is it? Like that's not a satisfying ending to a film." <laughs> yeah. And although, although Benoit Blanc is. Uh, I don't want to say he's a bad detective, but he's a weird detective yes. in, in, in many ways. Uh, I do think that he's competent enough and he's clever enough uh, to, if he had really figured Marta out, then 
there wouldn't be that much more for him to do, right? But he's still sitting there in his chair next to the fireplace brooding about mm. this. He clearly isn't satisfied that no. all of the pieces have come together yet. So that's another clue here that, yeah, we might think we know what's going on, but the person who's looking at this close, closest still isn't sure yeah. what's going on. And maybe we should think about that for a bit. And in true Agatha Christie style, you've got to play, the detective plays their cards as close to their chest as possible, right up until the uh, inevitable calling together in the accusing parlor. Exactly. All right. So, uh, listeners, if you have any questions or comments, or if you want to say that we've clearly gone mad because we spent at least 15 minutes talking about bottles and parallax, uh, you can email us at podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. Uh, if you like the show, the best thing you can do is tell a friend or leave a comment wherever you listen to it. Uh, someone pointed out to me that uh, you can't do either of those things on Spotify, so um, maybe maybe install iTunes. What is it, like 28 gigabytes? Install that, and then um, then you can leave, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts for us. You know, we're doing all the work here. You get to listen to us just have a lovely conversation about bottles. What are you doing for us, listener? Nothing. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> Hostile listening environment again. It's back. It's back. It, it's back. Don't call it a comeback. It never left. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you if you can leave us a comment or something, that's fun because you know we we do this for pleasure and because I'm I'm hoping to get the subscriber number high enough that um that I can I can get sponsors to who give me money to pay for nice things. <laughs> Yes, uh, if there are any remaining that we haven't insulted in some way, get in touch. I think it's fairly clear we're not getting a sponsorship from Bovril because you call it a Nazi drink every I time. Know, I know, I've made it very clear it's not a Nazi drink. It just <laughs> shares a lot of the iconography. Um, <laughs> 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 oh... That, that would be an incredibly weird advert for them to push out. We're not a Nazi drink. We just share their iconography. We just have an identical colour scheme <laughs> and uh, history of associating, uh, associating ourselves with kind of uh, master race style <laughs> rhetoric. <Theology. laughs> oh boy, well, we're doing the outro. How are we shitting on Bovril again? Um <laughs> Oh, I, I, where can you be found on the internet, Peter? If people want to take umbrage with your number of bottles or yeah. your stance on Bovril. If you want to get in touch and tell me how right I am that there's a don't, continuity Don't do that. In He's that wrong. Show. He's wrong. <laughs> I edit these. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> you can contact me at KestrelPie on Twitter. That's Kestrel like the bird, pie like the irrational number. And what about you, A? I'm sulking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm Kieran J. Walsh on various things. Talk to me there. All right, listeners. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this increasingly deranged journey. Who who knew the thing that caused the uh, acrimonious breakup of our 20-year-plus friendship would be the number of bottles on a table in a fictional bar? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> well, hope I never see you again. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck you. <laughs>